Welcome to Screw the Hierarchy, episode 128. This is your host, Deb Falzoy, and this week, I'm talking about how we can create change around banning workplace bullying and mobbing. Are you ready to hear what I have to say? More after this. If you're a target of workplace abuse and want to break free of the grips of abusive power, you found your place. I'm your host, Deb Falzoy, and the podcast begins now. Before I get started today, I want to talk about Patreon. I have a new Patreon account at patreon.com slash screw the hierarchy. And I have a really quick survey on there about what kind of rewards you like. Everything from early access to episodes to exclusive episodes, behind the scenes content. So this week I'm talking about our ability to affect change. And I've been doing a lot of work lately uh, canvassing in my town for um, state house transparency where we want committee votes to be public instead of private so we can simply know in Massachusetts how our state legislators vote in committees here in Massachusetts the the committees are the first stop that bills make we have hearings in front of committee members on different issues whether that's labor or education or public health there's a whole array of different committees that first hear testimony on issues and in Massachusetts that information is not public so we want to make that public so we can be better informed we can see if our state legislators are actually representing our opinions and I want you to understand that you know in times like this we can feel like we're powerless to affect change but we can you know, play, play outside of the game that's, that's um, specifically designed to not work when we, when we play the, the legislative game of, of doing what they say to, you know, amass power with support of a certain piece of legislation, and then the legislation goes nowhere. We, we slowly realize that, um, the game is rigged and it's not in our favor. And the more public we can be about, you know, calling out decisions that have been made by our state legislators, uh, whether that's in the press or through some sort of creative direct action that's hopefully covered by the press, we can really bring attention to um, some of these issues that are important to us. And I want to talk specifically about a new piece of legislation that. We're currently drafting, but it's called the Workplace Psychological Safety Act, and um, it's building on other pieces of legislation that have been put out there. And um, not only does it eliminate the intent piece that, you know, the um, anti-discrimination law has called for and been uh, pretty much a failure in really disrupting the social hierarchies at work, like I've talked about in previous episodes, but uh, this this particular piece of legislation um, really leans on the fact that workplace bullying and mobbing are organizational issues. They are um, they are a, a, a fallout of organizations having too much power, and they are um, not only not only do is the the initial bullying damaging 
But it's another layer of betrayal when the employer deliberately ignores, you know, the the actual complaint that's happening. They make the complainant or the employee believe that something is being done when in fact they are deliberately stalling um, the 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 any sort of response or effective response to the complaint and um, just waiting for the employee to get sick enough to leave on their own, effectively pushing out the employee who is very often a high performer who cares about the organization. So, um, you know, in this new piece of legislation, we are calling for organizations to report on things like attrition rates, de-identified wage and salary information around race and gender, because this issue overlaps so much with discrimination and stereotyping. Um, And we're also calling for the employers themselves to pay for an outside commission that would work like OSHA, that would get triggered to come in and do an external investigation um, once, you know, enough people, enough employees complained that there is a problem in their organization. Um, So really, really understanding that just like OSHA deals with physical safety, we also need a governmental agency to deal with psychological safety. It has just as much, um, if not in some cases, more damage than um, than physical safety can have. So I want to talk about how to really get involved. And there will be a link in the description here of, of first of all, what we're doing and why we're doing it. And then also like how to how to make this happen in your state. Um, you know, we're already working with with states in get, trying to get this legislation introduced and we will hand hold your hand every step of the way here. Um, you know, as much as we are also learning as we go and and figuring out, um, you know, what best strategies can be when we're we have a new scenario in a in a state. Um, so I want to I want to dive into this here. So what we're actually doing is building a national movement to fight for psychological safety at work. And we're doing this because all workers deserve to work in psychologically safe workplaces. So this is all about addressing workplace bullying and workplace mobbing in the American workplace. And like I said, our solution is the Workplace Psychological Safety Act. And you can find that at WorkplacePsychologicalSafetyAct.org. Um, and our I- idea here is that psychological safety should be a fundamental right, which is being exploited in our workplaces. Um, so this is being put together by a small group of individuals who who got together because we've all been um, on the receiving end of psychological abuse at work. And we want to create change. We want to create bold change. Um, and we we've all had or most of us have had experience in individually and collaboratively approaching our elected legislative officials on the state level. And we've told our individual stories together. And this is under this 
organization called End Workplace Abuse, where if you go to endworkplaceabuse.com, you can actually find information on all of these workers' rights that we support across the nation that are being introduced. Uh, Many pieces of legislation have actually passed, but not in every single state. And, And typically what happens or has historically happened Um, is that once something, once a a concept or a a legislative concept passes in multiple states, there tends to be a tipping point that leads to federal passage. So that is our strategy that we're using. Um, this, This organization is comprised of everyday people who have been on the receiving end or most of whom have been on the receiving end of psychological abuse at work. And, you know, people from all 50 states in the U.S. and even other countries whose people whose lives have been disrupted by psychological abuse. Um, So these efforts, this Workplace Psychological Safety Act is under this umbrella of end workplace abuse. And, um, you know, we're absolutely looking for people to work with us. We have a lot of work to be done, especially around marketing and getting the word out there working with related organizations to build our strength and number, build our solidarity, build our power. Um, and, you know, that part of that is testifying at public hearings, which many of them will continue to be virtual post pandemic or, you know, as the, as the pandemic also continues. And, um, you know, also the lobbying aspect where we're going to either have Zoom meetings or our state houses and actually talking with state house staffers or state legislators where we can and telling them, you know, why we want this bill to pass, why it's important in our own personal stories if we're comfortable or, you know, accompany that with some statistics about why this is such a huge problem. And we'll arm you with all of that information if you're if you're interested. So, um, you know, the, the the other piece of going with this state by state strategy is that the United States is very diverse. It's a it's geographically very large. There's um, different regional cultures and there's different strengths of state governments and, um, you know, the different laws that have already been passed in states t- for us to identify how pro worker they are. So. Uh, they're state by state in some ways and other ways, you know, our talking points will be the same in terms of this overlap with discrimination, um, the, this, the solution that we're looking for that coincides with what OSHA is already doing. And, um, knowing that it takes several years, even decades to pass legislation, no, no, no law has ever been passed, um, that has, that has, that would have or did have a huge substantial impact on our culture without taking many years of a fight. Um, Paid FMLA, for example, in Massachusetts took 20 years to pass. So this is the type of long-term, you know, goal here that we're, that we're looking at. Um, So the, just kind of walking you through this process here, the goals are really to find a to introduce the bill. And that's, um, we call that our lead sponsor in a state. And sometimes this can be um, strategically, we usually want to find a state senator, but oftentimes 
we can find both a state senator and a state rep or assembly person, as they're called in some states. And then once we find that person and they introduce the bill, um, that bill is assigned a bill number. I'd say about half the states, roughly, have a two-year legislative session. The other half have a one-year legislative session. And kind of our crunch time with all of this is January through June or July. Um, and then the rest of the year is used for re-election campaigns. So, um, you know, we're, we're right now working to to build a base of people in as many states as we can to introduce the Workplace Psychological Safety Act and get ready for introducing it in January. Um, so, so, you know, the, the committee hearings typically happen around June. It may, you know, be earlier in some states, might be later in some states, but typically, you know, in the odd year for a two-year legislative session, um, New Jersey is always our exception here. But a bill will get introduced or reintroduced in January, um, and we have to start somewhat from from step one every session. But knowing that we've built, you know, some level of support in the previous session. Um, and then that January to June crunch time is really built around heavy communication with state legislators to build that support. Um, so once we have that um, person, that lead sponsor who's willing to introduce it, we by by the time they've said yes to it, they've seen our model bill language um, and they can modify it, hopefully working with us when they modify it. And then we wait for a bill number in January. And then we, we build as much support as possible. So that would be with state legislators, having conversations with them, giving them flyers, dropping off flyers even through lobby days, um, reaching out to related organizations. Maybe that's labor groups, progressive groups, since workers' rights bills tend to fall under the progressive legislative agenda. Um, women's groups, racial groups, unions, religious groups, anyone who typically signs on to um, and, and supports a workers' rights legislation. Also, other groups who are actively pushing for workers' rights bills. And you can see all of those um, different issues on endworkplaceabuse.com. So there's you know different campaigns that are being run um, where we have overlapping beliefs. We believe that workers deserve more rights. So you know having joint lobby days with those groups um, and starting small, you know, planting seeds, writing emails to people and trying to meet with them um, and seeing what can come out of it, if anything, and and being okay that it's, you know, a long haul. This is a marathon, not a, not a sprint. Um, typically what happens in a legislative session is that the bill lands with a certain committee. Um, like I mentioned before, this could be a labor committee, a workforce committee. There are a whole bunch of other committees around different issues. Um, but it typically, a workers' rights bill typically lands with a, a labor or workforce committee. And they will have either a virtual or in-person hearing. And we want to get as many people as we can to testify. Um, or at least create a panel of experts and then have you know advocates Mail or email in their testimony, set up one-on-one -on -one meetings with their own legislators because legislators care about what their own constituents think the most so that they can get reelected. Um, and so our state legislators want to hear from experts, representatives from re related organizations who support the bill, and 
people who've been victimized by this issue, as well as their family members who can testify to that victimization and maybe the victimization, the secondary victimization that they've experienced. Um, and then we pressure these key legislators or we, we pressure key legislators at every step of this process. So we pressure the committee that we've testified in front of. If they move it forward, we we pressure the next committee that it moves to. If it moves to an actual um, the Senate chamber, chamber or the, the House chamber, we pressure our, our senators, our state senators, or our state reps or assembly people. Um, the processes vary state by state. Once we've actually found that lead sponsor, our state house staffers are, you know, they're a wealth of information and they can um, advise on what, what, a, what good partners or who good partners could be or who key legislators could be for, you know, you to focus on to put the pressure on um and then knowing also too that that's kind of this the seasonality of our our approach to avoid burnout so when we're gearing up in january um through june is kind of like our summer um to then realize that july through august or maybe or i should say july through december or august through december would be our key time to um you know, breakdown and and gearing up for the next session. Um, so really, you know, understand that we also need some downtime and we can't be, you know, working at a hundred percent all the time because we will personally experience burnout. Um, so in a nutshell, this is really about getting the lead sponsor and then building the base, building that base of supporters who will help us make noise about this issue. So, um, you know, the, the getting the lead sponsor part can be a, a one-time thing. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it will, you know, require happening again if a, a lead sponsor retires or moves on to another role. Um, but by then, you know, talking with legislators and getting a, a better feel for the state house, you will hopefully have an, a sense of who in the state house has the power to move this forward, who, who has passed, you know, right bill before, um, who, who might champion this bill moving forward. Um, so just, you will have other ideas about who could champion the bill. And then the building the base part can be done during crunch time, outside of crunch time. Um, this is really about building our email list and then, and then communicating with that email list around, um, certain key points of of needing people to testify of getting people to write to to their own legislators of getting them to write to key committee members um all all different um points in the process where we need help and we need that base of people that we are constantly building to to take action um there's some strategy around this that we teach or will teach in a training on how to introduce the bill. But this is really about leaning on people who are already supporters of this issue, have probably already experienced it or have some connection to it or are likely to have ha have experienced it. And then also people who are the most likely to take action. And we can measure that in, you know, by frequent voters or people who are active with other issues, people who have... Um, some type of political interest. And those are, are sort of, um, you know, with a with an effort with limited time and limited resources, those are the people we want to focus on the most. And then the second 
groups of people we want to focus on the most are people who are politically active, but maybe undecided on this issue where we can convince them that this is an important issue. And then also people um, who have experienced this before, but don't necessarily have political experience and are might be more reluctant to get involved. I will say that when I came to this, I had zero political experience. I just had the passion about this issue because I had a personal connection with it. So um, really understanding that we don't need to convince everybody that this is an issue. We don't even we don't need to convince people who are in opposition. Although when it comes to the people who have power to create change, we would like to at least neutralize people, the, the state legislators who are in opposition. But this is really about moving, moving people and um, moving especially state legislators along the spectrum of, you know, people who oppose it, getting them to, to feel neutralized about it, at least people who are neutral about it, getting them to care about this issue. And then people who care about this issue, getting them to actually take action, champion the bill in some way, write a letter to the editor, about it, just some sort of action um, or you know, posting on social media, anything where we can, we can create more awareness of this being a thing. Um, when, when I originally spoke about this being, you know, us creating a national movement, this is really about making workplace psychological abuse a household term or workplace bullying or workplace mobbing and helping people understand that this is a thing just you know much like domestic abuse became a term that we're all aware of it wasn't always that way and so we want to we want to educate people and and hope that they will join us um, like I said, leaning on the people most likely to join us, not putting most of our efforts in in opposition um, or into the opposition or people who are even kind of neutral about it or or misinformed about the issue, I should say, or just have a, a different. So this really works best when we put a human touch to it. So um, things like blogging about it, door knocking. Um, getting articles, that's a huge one. Um, we call that earned media, sending out letters to our friends, um, emailing people about it, writing letters to the editor, to our local papers, um, phone banking, text banking, social media, word of mouth, telling our friends about what this is and what we're doing to help um, put an end to this. Um, so our state teams that, that try to get this bill introduced in every state are responsible for steering the direction of the team with the ultimate goal of passing this piece of legislation. And I will say that, that there has been no workplace anti-abuse piece of legislation passed in any of the 50 states. The strongest piece of legislation that we have passed is in the U.S. territory of Puerto Rico. Um, meanwhile, there's very strong legislation overseas and up north in Quebec. Um, there's been strong legislation passed in Sweden and France where we have ex there have been experts there who have really championed this bill in moving it along the way. So one of our goals, too, is to find those experts, find um, academics, find um therapists, employment lawyers, get just just reach out to people in our area and tell them what we're doing and hope that they'll come on board and and testify with us. Um, so the, the state teams are, are really, like I've mentioned, all about, you know, directing the, the bill strategy in their state, whether that's identifying the state legislators to introduce the bill and, and being strategic about that, not 
necessarily asking just anyone. Um, we want to build a coalition of like-minded organizations and then grow our base of supporters through marketing tech.